This episode of Naval Gazing is sponsored by valleygivesback.org. Adding a Valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes matter to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a plan gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now, give later, and impact tomorrow at valleygivesback.org. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. For the info, we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. He's more than me. He's a sailor, though. He curses like a sailor. Okay. Hello, welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indies weekly talk show. We're sponsored by valleygivesback.org, and the music you just heard is from The Bad Slugs. You can find out more by visiting thebadslugs.bandcamp.com. Quick, quick uh, show of hands. Well, no, show of voices. Did anybody here go to Bandcamp other than me? No. I don't there you know. go. I, I got that. Over you. that. Original American Pie reference. I am going to hold sort. that. I'm talking 1989 before <laughs> that garbage. I wasn't even right. born then. I'm sorry. <laughs> Very cultured. Uh, this week, you just heard voices from uh, the leaders of two groups that have formed recently the Valley Young Republicans and the Naugatuck Valley Young Democrats. From the Democrats, we have Stefan Bahuniak, a Seymour resident and selectman. And from the Republicans, we have David Papson, an Ansonia resident who serves on the city's tax board. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Let's have some uh, good discussions. Thank you. Happy to be back. Okay, Uh, David, let's begin first with you, because the Valley Young Republicans formed recently. The group's first meeting, I believe, was February 26th in Mm -hmm. Derby City Hall. Uh, How did this group come about? Why did you uh, decide to found the Valley Young Republicans? Yeah, so essentially, uh, after the 2017 election, we looked at um, what opportunities and what areas can we grow in terms of the Republican uh, voter base and Republican volunteer base, and I'm thinking... Well, there is, you know, there's a ton of people out there, a ton of young Republicans that really haven't gotten involved. And so what I want to do with the Valley Young Republicans is provide a space for them to get involved. Um, On election night, we had a a ton of young people come in and say, oh, you know, we're in the area. Let's make. I don't mean to interrupt. I'm Eugene, but you're talking like the election, the the local municipal mayoral election. The 2017 mayoral election. Yep. The election. Yep. Gotcha. Sorry about that. Um, No, that's okay. So we, uh, we found that there was a lot of young people that wanted to get involved. And I'm thinking, uh, well, there's no real space for them to get involved at this time. So um, that was uh, kind of just how it came about. I got in touch with a lot of other young Republicans in the area. Anna Andretta, um, who, is also, who works at City Hall. Um, Domenico Filippone, who was elected third ward alderman that night. Uh, Cassie DeFala and Mike Shea, who helped with uh, Rich Zekin's 2017 mayoral election out in Derby. And uh, we just kind of came together and set the, go- the goal for what do we want this organization to be? And uh, how can we just bring people on board to help us you know, achieve Republican victories and fight for conservative causes? And how can people uh, 
interested in that if they're listening to this become involved uh, with your group? The best way uh, to get involved is just to reach out with us. We won't bite. Um, we do have a Facebook page. It's the Valley Young Republicans Facebook page. You can't miss it. We also have a Twitter. Um, I believe it's at Valley Young GOP. Um, just feel free to reach out to us. Um, anybody that wants to help get involved, work their way up the political food chain, or even just get community service hours. If you're in high school, I know that that was an issue um, for me. You know, we welcome you with open arms and um, we'll have a lot of opportunities for you to actually get involved. Okay, and uh, shifting to Stefan, it's interesting to, uh, to hear David say that uh, it was in the aftermath of the uh, election here in 2017, because I think your group, the Valley, uh, the Naugatuck Valley Young Democrats, excuse me, you guys were formed in the in the immediate wake of the 2016 election. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And and how did the, how did the the group sort of coalesce? I guess. Yeah, about? so we uh, we came about. Shortly after the 2016 election, um, our first meeting was last February. So it was it was a group of uh, young Democrats who, frankly, almost none of us had any sort of political experience whatsoever. Um, not even, you know, a lot of us hadn't even volunteered on any sort of campaign. Uh, it was just the people who were kind of disgusted and upset with the way the election had gone, uh, and and I think surprised as well. And they that's obviously the. National, the the national, correct, the 2016. Trump I mean, record. also there was there were some surprises more locally, but uh, mainly these were people focused on the national politics. Uh, a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters, I think, not just with our group but across the country, have uh, kind of risen up in in other groups. Um, so we we got together and you know had a had a big first meeting. I think there was about thirty people at our first one, um, and then we we kind of. We, we laid it out. Some of the people who had some experience said, hey, here's what it takes to get involved. We had people from Connecticut Young Democrats there to talk. Uh, Kara Rochelle, who has been an organizer for a long time and, and very involved in you know activism, she she spoke and said what it's going to take to you know kind of get people on board. And, and we just did it. And people who actually found themselves wanting to stay a part of it did. And, and we kept about 80% of the people who came to that first meeting have since, you know, come come to twice monthly meetings, basically. Um, and, and we've we've gotten people on boards and commissions throughout the Valley. Uh, last night, we had two more young Democrats become chairs of DTCs, uh, Tarek Raslin and Ansonia and, and Yellow Malerba and Derby, um, both members of our organization. So and what's a, explain what a DTC is. A Democratic Town that. Committee, there's Republican Town Committees as well. They are um, the, the bodies that are elected to represent their party at a town level. So the chairman of, I'm the chairman of the Seymour Democratic Town Committee, for example. Um, I'm not sure, David, are you the chair of the Republicans yet? I'm actually running for the Ansonia Republican Town Committee chairmanship, and uh, our election is tomorrow. So, so oh, No kidding. Yeah. Another youngster soon to be in the ranks. But um, they, they have a lot of ability to um, influence local party politics. They have a lot of ability to lend their voice to statewide issues. So um, it's, it's, it's an important thing to have young people in those positions. Like the, the young Democrats sort of, and this is filtered through various people, sort of took over the Democratic Town Committee in Derby. Uh, for, is, is that sort of accurate or... It was a surprise to a lot of. I've got a couple of emails the next day sure. being like, "Hey, did you see what Anita Delgado did?" Sure. Um, 
first of all, that's you can I can get in trouble for how I answer this. I think, but all because right. the, and the, the question the I did derby, use the word takeover, right? Because right, you phrased it very well, and then like you know, I've seen the, you've I've seen like stories from throughout the state about like you know expressing a sort of similar trend yeah. of turnovers on town committees. And the background of Derby is that the, there was a, a Democratic primary. The, the Democratic Party was split between sort of what was uh, uh, described as an old guard, new guard type thing. So that's the whole backstory. So, that's why I'm asking. So we don't have the numbers to take anything over without the support of the old guard, so to speak. Um, even in Derby, I think there's seven or eight young Democrats on their town committee of 36. In Seymour, we have 10 out of 38 right now. So we have huge numbers, relatively speaking, to other towns, but we don't have enough to be a majority to, to throw the bums out, so to speak. Um, so what I think happened in Derby is the the vast majority of people on the Democratic Town Committee saw who was doing the hard work, who was getting results, who was, um, you know, the future and the people who were the hungriest and those people rose to prominent positions. And I think it's as simple as that. And then David, and I don't mean to interrupt you. Well, I was going to say, you're running, just quickly, you're running for RTC chair in Ansonia, you mentioned. Is it it like a contested uh, election? And and just off the top, like you mentioned, the 2017 election, Cassetti won in a landslide. Mm -hmm. The Board of Aldermen is all Republican. Um, Seems like the the RTC is is doing a good job, isn't it? Like, why, 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 what, what made you decide to run for that position? I would say it's just, you know, the amount of energy that we need to bring to the table, especially for the chairman's race. Um, it is I wouldn't it is a contested race. I will be going up against the current chairman. Um, and it's nothing Irving to, Reed. Irving Reed. Okay. Yep. I didn't know who that was. Yep. Okay. And I, it's nothing to knock him. You know, he's done a good job in the past. But I think that there's a new level needed of energy and um, attitude for Republicans, especially when we're seeing such success that we're having in Antonio. We need someone who's going to be a vocal advocate. Um, and someone who's going to speak up on the issues and where they're necessary. And um, I just think I'm the candidate that would be able to do that in the best ability possible. How do you navigate? How old are you, David? I'm 19 years old. You're 19 years old. Mm. Wow. God bless you. Thank you. How do you navigate being uh, that young uh, and and entering this political uh, arena where you have a lot of people who are veterans of the local political scene without stepping on tones because i'm 44 and i automatically don't like 19 year olds it's like mm-hmm. hey come on leave me alone you're, you're busting my chops how do you sort of not come across as uh not that you are but an arrogant jerk who's just coming in here and try to you know take over the part uh, yeah well it's just Does that question ma- make sense yeah oh yeah absolutely okay. it's just a matter of you need to show i don't like to make my age something um that's like an issue in politics. I like to have my results be really my biggest credential. And I've always been the person that I, if you want me to do something, I will work hard to ensure that that will happen. And I think I've proven myself to the other RTC members and other Republicans across the um, Ansonia that, you know, I am capable, I am young, but I still am capable of getting things done. I have got things done this past election. And if elected, I will continue to get things done and um, continue to put Ansonia in the Valley in the forefront. And when did you first get involved in politics? So I was never really a political person, but my family has always been political. Um, my good family friends out in Milford, or fam- one's a family friend, she's Kim Rose, she's a state representative up in Milford, so she's always been kind of like mentoring me in a sense. And then my aunt, Joanne Russo, who was um, a former uh, Democratic, she served in some position out in Milford as well, but they were always telling me like, oh, what's going on at the time? But I never really took politics too seriously. It was just something that it was kind of like a dirty topic at the time. And it still is nowadays, but 
in 2014, I remember thinking, okay, who's going to run um, for president in 2016? We're all thinking, okay, it's going to be Hillary Clinton, obviously. But then I was looking on a list, and I saw that Donald Trump's name was on that list. I'm thinking, well, let me see what this guy's about. And a lot of what I heard from him was common sense. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, maybe we need someone who can come in and actually deliver results. And so that kind of spurred me to get involved. Now, my actual... Um, entry into politics came in about March 2017. I approached the mayor at a, at a town forum and I said, you know, I'm, I have an interest in um, politics and serving in government. Is there any way I can get involved in any capacity? And uh, so we held, you know, discussions. And later that month, uh, he decided to appoint me to the Board of Apportionment and Taxation. Um, that entire summer, I was out campaigning for him, knocking on doors, putting up lawn signs. And it's just something that I love. And I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to see that where I'm at today is it's interesting. different. I'm sorry. No, no worries. It's interesting to hear uh, like President Trump's name come up. And you were both inspired by him, but in completely different, different ways. ways. Yep. I'll just leave that there. I don't even know where I was going with that. But how about in terms of uh, these GOP meetings, the, uh, what's the name of the group again? The Young... The Valley Young Republicans. Valley Young mm-hmm. Republicans. Uh, who's involved in it? As my computer goes nuts. Uh, how many people do you have involved? And actually, this is a good time to take a break and hear from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. And when I come back, I'll finish my incoherent question. Hi, this is Eugene Driscoll, most likely interrupting myself to bring you a message from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. Adding a Valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes mattered to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now, give later, impact tomorrow, at valleygivesback.org. All right, thank you for your sponsorship, valleygivesback.org. And David, before I interrupted myself, I was trying to ask you what happens at your meetings. And also, I'm, I'm interested in learning, uh, you know, the young... Democrats seem to be this new group of people who came out who are not particularly coming from uh, the already active Democrats. Is it the same with the young Republicans? Do you have people new to politics, or is it people who are already embedded in the system who are helping you launch? It's a a mix of both. Um, Typically, on our executive board, we have people that are and have been pretty involved in politics just because we need to have people to mentor the others so that they can get their foot in the door. And then we have people that, you know, have no prior experience whatsoever, um, just looking to see how they can get involved and how far they can go. Um, in terms of what we do at our meetings, we've only had two meetings so far because we are relatively new. Um, at our kickoff meeting, we pretty much just described what we want to do with the organization, which I outlined before. And at this past meeting that we had, what was it, Monday, um, we prepared a round of endorsements uh, for different candidates across the valley and across the state. And uh, we're looking forward to future events that we're planning on holding. And it's all based on our like road to the convention because the convention is coming up in May, the Republican convention, I should say that. Um, where they'll nominate the different statewide candidates. And so we're all pretty much just gearing up for that and uh, the spectacle that that's going to be. Yeah, it's an exciting time to be involved in politics, at Mm -hmm. least in the state of Connecticut. What about, uh, and Ethan was probably going to ask you this anyway, but in the past there's been sort of a divide of some kind within the Ansonia Republican Party, at least it plays out 
uh, locally. I don't know. There's, you know, there was like a, a Cassetti camp and a Phil Tripp camp for mm-hmm. a while. Is that is that an accurate description? That's how I interpret it from reading Ethan's stories. But I, I would say we all just have our certain ideas of how Ansonia should be governed, and I think Mayor Cassetti has delivered in terms of what we're seeing in Ansonia. We're seeing unprecedented economic growth. Um, booming infrastructure and different things like that. So they can differ on how they think that Antonio can be governed, but realistically what it comes down to is, you know, who's done it and who's done it successfully. And that's not to knock Phil Tripp any, in any way, but it's to say that what Mayor Cassetti's doing is working. And uh, have you sort of reached out to Phil Tripp to get his uh, support of you? Is he somebody you need in your corner to I'm successfully hap- lead the party? I'm happy to have any. I mean, I want to have a unified Republican Party. Um, and a unified Antonio Republican Town Committee, because at the end of the day, we are all Republicans and we all should be fighting for the same Republican causes. Um, I have reached out to him um, and I'm looking forward to see if I will be getting his support tomorrow night. Okay. All right. I'll shut up now, Ethan. I apologize. I, well, do we, I, should we talk about some um, local or state issues, I guess? Sure. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, yeah, now that we wanna, we're talking. Because we want to talk about, like, some of the races, but. The statewide races. That, and then there's uh, also local stuff. With, I mean, school regionalization mm-hmm. seems to be mm. a push, but I don't know if I believe uh, everything I'm reading. Uh, you know, there's, well, I'm, I'm editorializing, but <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's go. I don't, well, like, just the, the major political story this week in the state was the failure of. Supreme Court Justice Andrew McDonald's confirmation to be the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. The vote Tuesday in the state Senate was 19 to 16, with all 18 GOP senators voting no. Uh, the New York, this just from the New York Times story on it. Uh, they said Justice McDonald, who had been easily confirmed when he was nominated as an Associate Justice in 2013 faced robust opposition mounted by Republicans angered over his role in a Supreme Court decision on the repeal of the death penalty and his relationship with the governor, Daniel P. Malloy, a Democrat. His supporters responded with a vigorous effort of their own, including using robocalls and television ads to urge residents to call on lawmakers to confirm his nomination. They also suggested that some of the opposition was motivated by Justice Ms. Fair Use, motivated by Justice McDonald's sexual orientation since he would have become the first openly gay chief justice of a state Supreme Court. Uh, In the aftermath of the vote, the Connecticut Democratic Party tweeted that, quote, Mitch McConnell's obstructionist tactics have officially arrived in Connecticut and that anyone who cannot draw the parallels between Senator Fasano, that's the GOP leader in the state Senate, the Connecticut GOP and Mitch McConnell is not looking closely enough. This was a calculated effort to block a qualified judge with purely political motives. Uh, I guess, David, as a Republican, how would you respond to uh, to those uh, comments by the state Democratic Party? I would say the same thing that happened with the Supreme Court decision, or not decision, but nomination back during when Obama was president with, I forget the name of uh, the judge that he was trying Merrick to put Garland. Merrick Garland, yeah. Um, I think it just comes down to their philosophy on, the, in this case, the Connecticut Constitution and how it should be interpreted. Um, and you know, I honestly haven't been following this McDonald's situation too well. Um, but from what I understand, it wasn't too much of a political decision, no matter how much it, you know, is made out to be, um, and whether it's made out to be identity politics, which I know is something that they've tried to turn it into. But at the end of the day, I'm going to say if they're, if they're going to put up a person, um, for, especially for chief justice, it should be someone that should faithfully execute the Connecticut constitution. 
like you had driven the, drew the uh, comparison with the the National Republicans' mm-hmm. rejection of Merrick Garland. You saying, yeah, it's the it's sort of similarly motivated, I guess. Well, I don't think so. I would say it's just a similar situation in that there's a difference in philosophy on how this justice would govern. Um, I personally disagreed with not having a hearing for Merrick Garland just because we knew that he probably wouldn't make it through the confirmation process anyway, so you may as well just have it. Um, And again, that just comes down to their philosophy on how they should um, interpret the Constitution and how they should, you know, execute that. Stefan, what do you you think? What was your reaction to to the vote yesterday and the whole process? Well, if we think about the way our constitution is is written and our country was founded separation of powers is is one of the core tenets of our democracy um which means that there should be a strong judicial presence that is uh, above the influence of party politics and what we've seen with uh justice mcdonald is just it is it is a copy of what happened at the national level um you know the republican leaders were emboldened um, by what I think was a huge mistake in the um, the National Congress to not have a hearing for uh, for Merrick Garland, so they they figured, hey, maybe we could make it work again here. Um, you know, they will consider Malloy to be a lame duck, so any nomination that he makes, they say, well, it's not really relevant. But at some point, how far does that go? Because if you're in your last term, but it's day one, are you still a lame duck? Because I think if we keep going on this path where it's you know hyper partisan, you're going to have people making that argument. What I don't think is is the core issue here is um, Justice McDonald's sexuality. Um, there may be a handful of people that have some sort of issue with that still, but I think we're we're past that. I think any person that Malloy had nominated off the bat, Republicans would have found some way to um, to deny, and it's. It's a problem because it, it, it falls to the governor to make these nominations. So whether you like the governor or not, you need to judge solely um, the individual's ability to fulfill the role. And I think without question, Justice McDonald was qualified. So I think it was a, a terrible mistake. And I think Republicans have, have been coming out and saying this is not an issue. People don't care about this. I think they'll find that um, they, they may be mistaken in that. Do you think it'll be uh, a factor in the November elections, this I think it's, Justice McDonald fight? I think it's gotten enough publicity where it will be it will be a factor. It's not gonna be, you know, a top three or four issue, but it, it I think it will come up more than some people are saying. Are the, is this the type of issue that your two groups will bring up in a monthly meeting? That is this what ha- I mean, because I'm completely ignorant as to what goes on in those meetings. I mean, if you want to touch on that first, yeah. It may be discussed. I don't know that we would take any action outside of, you know, I don't don't know that we would take action. I think maybe we we might write some sort of editorial or something supporting, in this example, supporting the pick. Uh, We're we're past that at this point now. Um, If if Malloy does in the next five days make another nomination and it's someone that we find to be qualified, perhaps we will take a position on that. Honestly, our, our role in this will probably be sharing things on Facebook or, or creating p- Facebook posts, and I, I think Dave will probably say the same thing. 
Yeah, I, I actually would say similar, similarly. Um, I don't think it comes down to politics. I think it just comes down to how we think that the justice would govern if he was chief justice um, or any nominee for that matter. If Malloy puts up another one, um, you know, we'll assess him in the same sen- him or her in the same sense that we would with or did with uh, Justice McDonald. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's too much of an issue. I think going into this year's election it is a pretty, pretty raucous election um, just because of the state of Connecticut. And I think we're just going to focus on the issues that matter, that being taxes, the economy, infrastructure, different issues like that. I don't think this is going to be too big of an issue. Uh, as the New York Times story mentioned, uh, some of the Senator Fasano's professed uh, opposition to Justice McDonald's confirmation was based on his uh, assent in the ruling that overturned the death penalty. Uh, do you think we should have, just quickly, do you think we should reinstate the death penalty in Connecticut? Or? Well, I'm actually, I'm against the death penalty. Um, I consider myself to be a very religious person. I don't believe that it's anybody's um, right to take away another person's life. Um, and at the end of the day, that comes up to God if he was to take away another person's life. So I'm against the death penalty. Um, so if that ever comes up in my future, I will still strongly stand against the death penalty. What about, uh, this is totally not what we're talking about, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask it anyway. You guys call yourselves young. What's the age limit? I'm 44. Can I join either of your groups or do I get booted? Are you young spirited? No, I'm pretty much an old soul. It's Well, then I think you know I live the answer on there. aids and... and <laughs> Bud Light Lime Aritas. <laughs> no, all right. So, yeah, is there a particular like age thing here? Uh, we loosely define our organization as um, under, uh, loosely under 35. If you're 36, 37, even in your case, 44, if you're young spirited, you know, we're happy to have anybody on board. Thanks for throwing the even in there, David. <laughs> what about sorry. Stefan? It's, it's all right. I'm just so, kidding. we, in my understanding of our two groups, the differences, we're a little more structured by um, a higher body. We we follow the Connecticut Young Democrats and even more the um, and also the Young Democrats of America guidelines. Um, so our our membership is strictly fourteen to thirty six. At thirty six, you age out. Now, with that said, our group welcomes you know young spirited folks. Um, we're actually making a push to to up the age to forty because uh, we think you know it's, it, especially in terms of how local government is run. You know, for a long, long time before the last two years, every DTC and RTC that I've heard of, anybody under the age of sixty was considered young, and that's not a knock on people. That's, I've, that's I've just an absolute thing, fact. Because if you're the fifty-year-old guy, you might be the youngest person there for a long time. Um, but yeah, we, we're very inclusive of you know people. For example, Chris Bowen, friend of the friend of the show, just over the age limit, but he's he's at our meetings. We we absolutely value his opinion. He just is doesn't. there any way I can protest that he's a member of the group? Is there anybody? <laughs> is there? No, I'm just oh kidding. boy. <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, but uh, I'll fight for him. He's a good guy. We um, yeah, but, but we, we 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 take anyone's opinion. We invite we invite Democrats of all ages to come. What and speak. about? I'm sorry, going to the other age of the age spectrum, you had mentioned uh, 14. I mean, there's been a ton of news. I don't know if you guys have noticed lately of uh, high school students getting uh, politically active or socially active or in some ways active onto the streets, literally, uh, to bring change. Are your two groups seeing an influx of young people joining the folds, and are you actively going into well i guess you wouldn't go into schools to recruit but how do you how do you get the 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 high school kids involved 
Uh, David, you want to go first? Yeah, so we are actively recruiting high school students just because, like I mentioned before, um, community service hours are critically important to you know, high schoolers' success, especially when they go to apply for college and other opportunities. Um, and that's not to say like they have to come just for community service hours. If they want to get involved for any reason, they're more than welcome to. I think it's great that we have a lot of young people getting involved, whether you're um, on either side of the political spectrum, as long as you're sharing your voice. I think that's really important to our democracy. Mm -hmm. um, and the Valley Young Republicans is just an outlet for them if, they're, if they have a conservative or independent thinking mindset to come and do so. Yeah, we're one of our next big initiatives is going to be recruiting, um, you know, basically below the age of... 22 so we're, we're trying to make inroads right now with local colleges that's something we've seen some success with um and we are we're also making efforts to work to getting i know there's some political clubs in the high schools hmm. um and i actually know several high schoolers through different work in town so we're uh, we're working on that angle as well the problem is if you're in school and then david could speak to this it's harder to find the time mm -hmm. to, to be involved in the town you know if you if you live in seymour you work in the valley or you work in, you know, Sikorsky or something like that, you can make it back for meetings at night. If you go to school up at, you know, at Yukon or, you know, Quinnipiac or wherever it is, it might be more difficult to make meetings. So that's something that we're balancing. But we do have kind of a pipeline of people who are right now in college who, you know, is, is assuming they come back to the valley, they'll be involved when, when they have time. It's a, yeah, it's a just interesting. You mentioned about the, the DTCs being like sort of dominated by the previous generation, I guess, um, because when Obama was elected, that was like a major part of the narrative was like, oh, the youth vote, the youth vote with Obama. But that it didn't translate into, you know, like long term involvement in the, the nitty gritty sort of local level politics, I guess. And strangely enough, I don't think so. You know, to in my experience, the people who are on the DTC are people who have been there for a long time. I think I think. 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, it was a different thing. People, it, it was more of a, a social club. It, it was it was a group within town of like-minded people that got together and they, they tackled issues. They, you know, we used to have, you know, DTC balls at one time, like big dance dance uh, parties and things like that. Um, so it was, it was a, a social thing with the political aspect. Then I think it just, it's, it's tough even the educational process of what a DTC is is difficult. Um, a lot of people don't know. When I, when I went to my first DTC meeting, I didn't know what it was. So Paul, Paul Roy, who, who had been a, a former first selectman in Seymour, he, he messaged me because we knew each other for a long time. And he said, hey, Stefan, do you want to join the town committee? We're looking for people to run for office. And I was like, yeah. And I had no idea what that was. I just said, yes, it sounds good. Showed up was there and I was like I was blown away I was like I had no idea this kind of thing existed and people still don't it's it's difficult so when I go to door to door when I go campaigning it's sometimes it could be difficult telling people like what's what's going on what exists a lot of people don't know David was it similar for you in terms of like you're running to to take over the RTC but was it just your prior uh as you said like you had family and members and friends being involved in politics is that how you got sort of drawn into it. That's pretty much exactly how it went. Like, I honestly had no idea how to get politically involved if it wasn't for my family. And my aunt actually said to me, if you want to get involved, you have to go to your local town committee. That's that's the go-to way to do it. And that's exactly what I did. And uh, that's where I gained the experience, the knowledge, the background. And that's what I'm you know, trying to offer with this chairman's race. 
You know, it's funny. Every once in a while, you'll hear somebody who says, yeah, I could run for first selectman. I could run for mayor. And then you ask them, okay, what's the first step? And they say, I'm just going to say I'm running, and then I'll, I'll put it on Facebook. I'm like, okay, are you? who are you talking to? What what local party leaders are you speaking to? Oh, I don't know any of them. And I said, well, you, you're going to have a really difficult time if you don't get familiar with the people on your party's town committee because those are the people who honestly they 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 can shape the race they if they if you have the support of the town committee even though people might not know what it is you you are way you know way ahead of the game especially like first timers and newcomers like if you come into the scene and you're just trying to say like you show up at your first rtc or dtc meeting and you say hey i want to run for this they're gonna look at you and they're gonna say okay well what can you offer so we've never even seen you here before so you kind of have to make a name for yourself first that's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, at least to me, because I mean, we're reporters, and for a long time, I remember like working in Danbury or working in Westchester County, New York, Mount Kisco, all these places. The Republican or Democratic town committees there were sort of shadowy <laughs> figures yeah, yeah, who yeah. didn't necessarily want publicity because they were the power brokers behind the scenes. No, and, and I don't like, think that's uh, the case. In the, the Valley, it seems to be more open. Uh, I mean, the, I had never covered a nominating convention. Yeah, or, same here. Like, it, well, like I would the, cover them, but they'd, the they'd all go into a room right, and they, say, we're going right. to come out and announce the slate when we right. have one. And here, like, we, we see, like, you know, we don't see all of, like, the, you know, intra-party fighting and stuff. But you, you get a picture of some of it, which is more than Yeah, it's much more other transparent places here. If, uh, I can, if I can say a couple words about this. One thing that is a little different about the Valley and a lot of small towns um, is that the DTC, at least in Seymour, is the one Democratic group, you know, and I think the RTC in Seymour is also the one Democratic group, outside of, of course, the Valley, Young, Dems, and Republicans. Um, other, you know, in, in cities particularly, they'll have maybe a half a dozen different groups of people who have who share similar you know philosophies and and are like-minded so they might be able to run a candidate or push Mm. a candidate forward with support of a faction of the party that isn't necessarily aligned with the dtc in in seymour it's like a vacuum cleaner any democrat we know that wants to get involved they have to come to the dtc that's that's just how it goes and a lot of these small towns there's not there's not the infrastructure there's just not enough people there's yeah. yeah yeah that's pretty much just how it is for any small town really so should we move on to the stated, uh, the reason we actually conned these guys into coming in? Oh, boy. Uh, well, like the local the races? St- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, uh, in in uh, Ansonian Derby, a uh, longtime uh, state rep, Linda Gentile, is retiring. or at the, She's not seeking re-election uh, at the end of her current term this year. Uh, two candidates have emerged on the Republican side, uh, Ansonia Alderman Joseph Yauman, and on the Democratic side, um, a, mem- a member of the Derby Ethics Board, is that? Or uh, is she still a pre- prior member? And the founder of the uh, Young Democrats, the Valley uh, Young Democrats, Kara uh, Rochelle. Um, and I guess the, like there are formal party nomination processes that will have to take. Like These aren't the only... It's a convention yeah. similar to the state yeah. convention, just at a smaller the, level. It yeah. seems like these are the, the two sort of candidates that the parties are lining up behind. I think it's fair to say. That's not to say that others might uh, emerge. Between you never know. Then. You never know. Um, yeah. And I would just put in a, 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 a little uh, 
plug for the Valley Indy. If you are running for office, let us know because we're like the last to know. So please keep us in the loop. Yeah, we're like searching, you know, ECRIS, the SEC for yeah. like who's running. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Part of this podcast is going to be asking you guys who's running against in yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. other races. We're but ignoramuses. I guess, how, how, how do you? How do you? Uh, obviously, Stefan, you've worked with Kara at the the Young Dems. Uh, how uh, like how do you see the race uh, shaping up? How would you uh, sort of handicap it now? It's tough to say. Um, a race like this, it'll be a good test to see kind of where we're at, and it'll be a good test for the candidates themselves to, to differentiate themselves because Linda, Linda Gentile has basically owned this district. Um, she's, had, she's had votes as high as 75%, 80% um, support with the people of Ansonia and Derby. So if she was running again, I would say it, it's going to be pretty, pretty much a slam dunk for her. Um, however, we have two candidates who have not held statewide office. Um, Yaman or Jaman? How do, how do you pronounce it? Yaman. Yaman, okay. I made um, that mistake several times. Yeah, so, so Yaman has Yaman ran before, and he has um, the Board of Aldermen thing going for him. Kara comes from this this wave of people now who have been you know, kind of lifted up through the groundswell of post-2016, despite the fact that she's been you know, an activist for much longer than that. Um, and so we'll see where it plays out. I think it will be a good competition of ideas. Of course, I am supporting Kara wholeheartedly. I think she has the right mentality for the job. I think she has the right, um, the right mix of experience and outside perspective. I think she has the kind of tenacity that, that will shake things up. Um, she has good principles and she has many, almost all of her ideas, you know, we're in agreement with and you know she has taken the time to really despite you know she's always been a valley girl but she uh she's taken the time to really get to know the people of ansonia and derby um she she has the support of both town committees she which which is a big deal especially in derby where it's you know as as we've spoken about it was contentious fractured and, and she played a, a part right in that and and she has done a great job of of putting that town committee back together a lot of that has been on her and um it's she's done a great job of earning the respect of some people that may not have known her two years ago and obviously what she's done with the Nautuck Valley Young Democrats you know right now I'm here speaking for the for the organization but she's the one who pulled it together um she's the one who who got all these outside people into a room together and pushed us forward as as one unit and, and made us have an impact Whatever you think the impact may be, we had a real impact in the last year. So I think she she would be a great great uh, representative. So that's you know that's my plug. That's my take on the race. I don't know how it's going to go. I think I would give Democrats a, a slight advantage because it's been a Democratic seat for a long time and it's been pretty big ma- uh, majorities. But there's no way to know for sure. And I guess, David, from the Republican perspective, um, what do you see happening in the 104th district? And specifically, I guess, um, you know, like the narrative sort of nationally has been a reaction against uh, Trump and Republicans. Uh, But on the other hand, in 2016, locally, it was, you know, a Republican. uh, We had George George Logan upset longtime uh, Democratic state senator. Pretty much Linda Gentile was the only local Democrat that stemmed the tide of that 
uh, are the Republicans really prioritizing this as a uh, as an opportunity to gain a seat in the state house? Oh, absolutely. I think a Connecticut situation is a lot different from what you look at nationally because Connecticut, we have been under the control of Democrats in both the governorship, the state legislature, and they haven't offered results and they haven't really delivered for the taxpayers and for the people. And so what we're looking at in the 104th district is, okay, who is going to be the candidate that is actually going to bring the same success that we've had in Ansonia under Mayor Cassetti? Who is that same type of candidate that will deliver in Hartford and try to help the state? Who, will, who is the only candidate in this race that will work to lower taxes, reduce the size of government, improve our infrastructure, and just fight for the taxpayers? And we think that Joe Yalman is the only candidate in this race um, that is proven to do that as he's been a member of the Board of Aldermen um, and that can do that if he's elected this November to, um, to Hartford. Do you think that it'll be a, a gain for the Republicans, I guess? We're uh, confident that it's going to be a game, but we're not going to get complacent. You know, we have to make sure that we're we're going door to door knocking. We're, we got to make sure we're getting our lit drops out there and we got to ensure that the people know um, what each candidate stands for and uh, what they will do if elected up to Hartford. And it, like, go, no, go ahead. Sorry. From what I've sort of read and heard, I mean, the, the strength of these two candidates, their strengths are obvious. They're both intelligent they're both they both have a lot of energy and they both really want to serve uh and i think the weaknesses would be that mr yauman isn't as well known because he's relatively new to the naugatuck valley and then the, the knock you hear against cara rochelle is, is activist too too left wing is what some of the republican critics say so where does linda gentile play into this is she going to be i mean obviously she was universally respected i was shocked when she announced her retirement our facebook page can be partisan but really <laughs> i've never seen that got a throwback to 2017's election yeah. but the the commenters i meant i should clarify yeah, that yeah, yeah. me i'm apolitical i believe any i believe anybody for five minutes but is she can she be a linchpin here, uh, Linda Linda Gentile? Does she have to get out there? Because if you look at the the, the I think the Republicans clearly have the momentum uh, in Ansonia and Derby. It's hard to. It's just it seems like that's what it is. There's this wave of Republicans locally. So Stefan, how do you? Yeah, uh, you're. That's a fair characterization. They have all of um, the you know chief executives in Ansonia, Derby, Seymour, and Shelton. Uh, they have, you know, pretty much all the other uh, congressional seats. The the factor of Linda Gentile, I think, can be a strong one. Linda does support Kara. Um, she, I think, and, and I hope that she will be out loudly and proudly speaking for Kara. Um, I, I would anticipate that would be the case. How much that will matter, it, it depends on what factors are driving people to the polls. Hmm. Uh, I think it will definitely, definitely make a difference. Where it'll, where it'll make the biggest difference is with the more moderate Democrats, perhaps, and then the people who just, who have known Linda a long time, but maybe won't get excited about a race without Linda in it. If Linda will, will make personal appeals to those people, I think it, it'll help Kara tremendously. And I think Linda plans on doing that. And then, David, uh, I mean, you spoke highly of uh, the, the, the Alderman, Alderman Yauman, but in terms of ground game a little bit, let's pretend the microphones are off. Mm -hmm. It's just me and you talking here over some coffee. What does Yauman have to do to win that seat? He ran once for it and was unsuccessful. That was against uh, uh, Linda Gentile. So 
what does he have to do? what does he have to do to get those votes? Really, all it is is he just has to hammer the issues, and that he's the candidate for lowering taxes, reducing the size of government, fighting for education and infrastructure. And I think the difference between this election and the 2016 election when he ran against Gentile is getting the issues out there again and showing that he's proven himself as an alderman. Um, and that this race is entirely different. I think another factor that plays into it is the fact that this is a governor's election this year. And the Republican wave that is kind of surging throughout Connecticut, um, just the fact that Democrats have not delivered for the taxpayers in terms of ridiculously raising taxes over and over again. I think there's a new tax proposal out right now to create a state-based property tax, which is completely ludicrous, as well as the toll proposals. Like People are just sick of having more money ripped out of their pockets. And so that this is going to come down to who is going to be the person that will fight for the taxpayers. Will you guys be making uh, an endorsement uh, in the governor's uh, race among your parties? Uh, do you have any... Uh, among the young young Democrats, yeah, the young yeah. GOP, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and do you personally have any uh, preferred candidate? Mm-hmm. So we actually Democrat? discussed this the other night at our uh, Valley Young Republicans meeting. We're going to be abstaining from making an endorsement at this time just because this race is so contested. I mean, how many candidates do we have on just the Republicans alone? It's like 17. Eight, oh, yeah, 17, 18 with Aaron Stewart now. It's like 18. Um, I'm actually working for Mark Loretti's bid for governor. I think that he is the only candidate in this race that has delivered in, as his, um, in his capacity as Mayor Shelton. And he is the only candidate that can really deliver for the state of Connecticut. He is uh, bipartisanly recognized as a problem solver, someone who will deliver, um, and his results in Shelton kind of just go, you know, they speak wavelengths as to what he could do as governor. I mean, Shelton has one of the lowest tax rates in the entire state. Um, Their government is operating smartly and efficiently, and again, the same thing, he can do the same thing for the state of Connecticut. And past navel-gazing guest, Mark Loretti. I'm sure one of the banner. I didn't think uh, he returns yeah. our calls. He, he, one of the re-elections, he, he, we, we got him. Did over he here. know? Yeah. Did he know he was a guest? <laughs> He's yeah. a busy man. Yeah, He's a very good. busy man. I look uh, at it. I look at yeah, his I'm schedule. I'm just kidding. Some, he, yeah. he returns yeah. our call. We don't. You know, we, we do as much as we can. Depending on what we're calling about. Uh, <laughs> I look at his uh, schedule sometimes. I'm like, when do you sleep? <laughs> we had we had a, a people should go back and look for an article. Search valleyindie.org or Jody where Jody then Moser now Gill spent like. Two or three days uh, with Mayor Loretti, uh, you know he was <laughs> speeding on the highway in a rainstorm without using his windshield wipers, which was one of the details that. Uh, like nice. with me. We, we, he went to some meeting of some you know statewide grand poobahs somewhere, and they were all in a room talking, and somebody noticed Jody and was like, "Wait, who is this?" <laughs> and he just said, <laughs> "She's with me," and then everything nobody uh, asked any nice. other questions. And nice. then like a month later, he kind of seemed. To Jody, have no memory of spending any time. <laughs> yeah, as you do, so, I guess. But anyway, uh, and then you could ask Stefan about what about sure. the Democratic field? It's not not quietly as packed as the GOP. Yeah, but. we we have um, what most people consider to be seven serious candidates. Um, there's a few others who just uh, the reason they're not serious uh, with with air quotes is um, they just haven't been able to raise the kind of funds necessary to qualify for citizens' election program. Um, the Naugatuck Valley Young Democrats will very likely be endorsing a candidate. When that happens is still being worked out. Um, there's arguments for and against doing it before the convention, and then there's arguments for and against doing it uh, during the primary once the field has narrowed down a bit. Because I think on both sides, we are almost certain to have a primary. Um, the Republicans, I don't think, can whittle down 17 or 18 candidates to one. And the the Democrats, 
I think at least three or four of the candidates will get 15% of the delegates to qualify automatically for a primary. And I think there's several Republicans in the race who are planning on just skipping the convention altogether and just petitioning onto the primary. So there's still going to be a role to play for endorsements after the conventions, which are in mid-May. Um, but I, I, I would think we will come out with an endorsement at some point during the process. Me personally, I support Jonathan Harris, uh, a Democrat running for governor. He has, I, I think, the most broad and important set of um, experience in the in the field. He was a former mayor of West Hartford, former state senator, um, former commissioner uh, at the state level. He he has really uh, pragmatic views, really great. Um, a really great ability to connect people. He um, he has creative solutions to some problems, uh, which I think is is something that has been missing a lot. He he understands that it's not uh, you know a my way or the highway type thing. And, and more than anything, when I think about politics, my focus is very hyper local. To, to borrow your guys' uh, phrase, um, we don't have a copyrighted. It's okay. That's okay, but. <laughs> That's, that's what I think when I think of you guys. Uh, I, I care about Seymour first and foremost. I care about the Valley next. And um, of all the candidates that I've met, and I've met a lot of candidates on, on both sides, to be frank, um, Jonathan Harris is the one who speaks to the issues affecting the Valley the most, um, more so than anyone I've met. So that's, that's why he has earned my support. Did you have something? No, uh, we're we're just about roughly about at the, the forty nine minute mark. Uh, so we did, you know, Stefan. I believe said uh, before we began that we would uh, not get to anything we wanted to talk about. But I just, <laughs> well, just like for the record, we've <laughs> at least discussed maybe thirty percent of it. I don't know. I guess very quickly, uh, we mentioned I mentioned briefly uh, before George Logan won. Uh, he's the state senator from the seventeenth district, um, and I should have looked up specifically what. Towns, I th- Ansonia and Derby. It's like Ansonia, uh, Seymour, Derby, Beacon Hamden, Falls, Woodbridge, part of Naugatuck, Woodbridge, Woodbridge Hamden. Yeah, it's a big district. It's uh, but it's he, a, it's a he, yeah. he beat out a longtime uh, state senator, Joseph Crisco, to win that first term in the 2016 election. He won it by 833 votes. So I would think that the Democrats, the state Democrats, would be sort of prioritizing that as maybe one to win back. Uh, Stefan, do you know? Who's running on the Democratic side to challenge Logan? And sure, uh, right now I know of three candidates. Um, it's not my district, so I will. I certainly will not be making any kind of pick in this race. Um, and I know not as much about these candidates as I should, but I can tell you who they are. Uh, George Cabrera, who is a union organizer, um, he's he seems to have a, a lot of support right now. Uh, Sean Grace, who is a member of the Hamden DTC, and is does a lot of work with some progressive groups and then uh valerie horsley who is a scientist at yale um who has had some political activism experience as well so those are the three right now that i know of um i know that the naugatuck valley young democrats along with the greater new haven young democrats will be sponsoring a debate between those three candidates oh no kidding and we will certainly let you guys know it's going to be uh almost certainly it's going to be in woodbridge and it's going to be in, oh that's too bad yeah way way outside <laughs> way outside of your guys's range yeah you'd have to drive all one do time they have a stop and shop yeah, there because yeah. i only no, they do not. yeah oh, they yeah, do yeah, actually so off of the merit <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that'll be an opportunity to hear from the three candidates together i don't know if it'll be a debate or a forum but it'll be a great opportunity for them 
to, to speak their debate. mind. Those are more fun. I, I love debates, man. People don't want to do them anymore, though. I don't um, know. I had an experience yeah. in Derby that I don't want to replicate. <laughs> I'll be honest true. with you. But it was t- tough. To speak yeah, to it's that, it's a lot easier to have one just in the office without and, the yeah, AC yeah. and yeah, bad audio. That's yeah. what makes a good debate. Yeah, but I do on think a cell phone. I yeah. do think whoever comes out of the uh, Democrat, the Democratic side on that, is going to put up a very competitive fight. I think that is is a true toss up, um, a true toss up district right now. Uh, Democrats held it for a long time. With all respect to Senator Crisco, I think, despite being a great uh, public servant for a long time. He he should not have ran in 2016. I think it was a, it was a bit past his time, and I think perhaps we would have seen a different result had somebody else stepped up at that time. Um, and you're saying that he didn't have much of a campaign. Essentially, he really didn't campaign. He he expected to win, and okay. and he I don't think I'm talking out of school when I say that he he fully expected to win, and he just didn't have the kind of um, drive anymore to to get out there and knock the doors that were necessary to take the to take the district. So I, I think, that you're, to your point, the state Democratic Party will be targeting that race. I'm sure the state Republican Party will be targeting that race because it, it should be a, a pretty contentious one, I would think. And then from the other side of it, David, uh, obviously Logan's uh, from Ansonia. Uh, what are some of the achievements that he could point to to uh, secure reelection? I think this year, I've said it before, uh, 2018 for Connecticut is going to be a Republican swing just because uh, it, the issues are going to matter. Um, and I know that Senator Logan has, you know, attempted and is going to continue trying to fight for the taxpayers and fight for the uh, 17th district communities um, with a legislature swing. Hopefully we'll be able to get more um, more bills out there and be able to actually deliver. Um, not saying what he has done so far hasn't, but we we need to get an advantage on the Democrats and really have this takeover of the Connecticut House and the con- governorship. That way we can actually deliver. And when the results do deliver, people will see more and more that Republicans are for you and not against you, I think. And then I just, okay, so we're at 53 minutes. Maybe if we take two minutes, I just wanted to ask about school regionalization. Right, uh, if right. It's, Uh, And I wanted to uh, speculate on a hypothesis here. I know reporters aren't supposed to give opinions in any way. And I'm actually not giving an opinion as to whether I believe in school regionalization or not. But reading between the lines and some of the articles that come out, particularly like the Connecticut Post, some of the articles they've had about uh, Shelton... Yeah, and... Wanting to do... A function of this is like, I have reporting that I just haven't written out yet. Well, but and, yeah, and then yeah, also yeah. just what you hear from some of the people involved on yeah. the street, maybe not in formal interviews. It sounds to me, and I was going to throw this out here, and, and you guys don't have to answer, but I know there's, you know, like Mayor Zekin and Republicans in Derby want to, they want to do this study to see if they can save money by combining in some way with Ansonia. Now that's sort of grown spider legs and Seymour is maybe not a formal discussion, but they're mm-hmm. talking and now Shelton has been thrown into the mix and, and Sonia clearly mayor Cassetti wants to do this study. Uh, and we're talking a two year study and Alderman Yalman was one of the key forces sort of spearheaded. He yeah. brought this to the forefront uh, to a great deal. And the end result would be a recommendation and then both cities would get to vote on it. But my belief is that the school districts don't necessarily want to do this. They might say, and they might give us sort of generic quotes uh, saying, yeah, we'll, we'll participate, but I don't think they want to necessarily regionalize. Uh, and you'll see some of them, it's my belief that some of the, 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 the school boards and the school districts are sort of doing their own thing where they're talking to each other in a way that prevents a complete study and then a vote 
where they can regionalize other little aspects of their 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 services, shared services. Mm. I think there's regionalization, and what the school districts really want is, no, we want to stay as is, but we want to share services wherever possible. I'm just wondering if that, if my hypothesis here has any basis in reality, if anybody wants to, to jump in there. Do you think, I mean, and you guys were both raised mm-hmm. here and went to the public schools here. I, so. I actually didn't. I uh, stepped out of Ansonia Public School System after third grade. Oh, okay. Yeah, but well, I'm, then, I'm still kind of fluent in everything that's going on here. So, I mean, if you're you from Ansonia, to, though, right? I am from Ansonia. <laughs> yeah. So that's all that matters, really. Um, what I would say about this, the regionalization system uh, or the study, actually. Where'd you go is, to school? But now I'm fascinated. Though. Yeah. You, uh, so I went to uh, King Robinson out in New Haven for fourth and fifth grade. And then from sixth through twelfth, I went to Engineering and Science University Magnet School in New Haven as well. Did you take a bus there or did your parents I did. have to drive you? No, I actually right. took a bus. First student provided uh, busing. That has nothing to do with anything. My kid goes yeah. to a magnet school. I got to drive him every day. It's like, do you really? Oh, it's so... But anyway, no, that's... They provide buses there. Go ahead. Um, so yeah, what I would say about this regionalization study is that, you know, as many uh, municipalities as we can get on board with it, you know, Shelton, Seymour, we're happy to have them come on board and we'll see what the what the study actually produces. But do you think the schools really want to do it though, David? That's I can't answer that because I'm not on the school board. But you... but, but Well, what, all right, but, but you're... What I would say is we, ha- we all have to be on the same page you know the school boards the the government they, we all have to be on the same page and we all have to ensure that we're delivering the best possible solution for the students um and maybe regionalization isn't the way we'll see what happens with this study but i think another misconception about it is it's not just about saving money it's about ensuring a better quality education for the students and that at the end of the day is the most important um so if regionalization ends up occurring and in the long run you know we'll see what happens with how are the our education and quality will be affected or if it'll end up costing more money to regionalize that's something that we can't really answer until the study is actually done and i think once that is actually done we can all come to the table and say okay let's assess this let's all get on the same page pretty much and i think it speaks volumes that as well um linda gentile the current state representative is um saying that regionalization is something that we need to explore and so maybe as a democrat her poll you know we'll see what can be done there um but two years in two years time, maybe we'll be sitting down at the same table again, and I'll be saying, "Hey, look, it worked out." And then uh, up in Seymour, I, mean, I went to a school board meeting a couple of months ago where there was uh, uh, some apprehension, I guess, in a in, in one of the uh, many Seymour type community Facebook page, which I can't even find on Facebook. I don't even, but that's apparently where the news is in huh, Seymour. I'll send you a link. Yeah, and they had there was concern that Seymour was going to do something with Ansonia, like there yeah. was sort of yeah. A I could do a full podcast on my thoughts on regionalization. Um, I, I will say that I think David and I will agree almost wholeheartedly on this topic. Um, however, I th- I don't think you're going to see it happen. I think the dream scenario would be Ansonia and Derby sharing one school district. I think down the road that would probably be the smartest thing. I think, frankly, Ansonia and Derby should probably be one town. They're just not really big enough to, to be two distinct towns but once you've split people up like that they never want to go back um and you'll see that in a town like shelton a town like shelton would never the people of shelton would never be for taking on ansonia or derby because they would perceive them as having more problems um not bringing as much to the table despite it perhaps being in the best interest of everybody um it it just wouldn't happen so what I think will come from this study, and, and I'm not intimately aware of exactly what's going on because I'm not in one of those towns. But And this hasn't come to the Board of Selectmen. It's not like a thing where the Board no. of Selectmen is signing off on this, which is another we, distinct we, difference we, between what's happening in these towns. We would have some role in it at some point, um, even if it was just informational. 
However, what I think will end up coming from the study that's going on in Sony and Derby, and I'm sure Seymour will, will try to, to get in on some things that make sense. It's just going to be, um, in my opinion, people will try to leverage economies of scale where it's possible. So they will go in on, you know, buying more equipment that they can split between the more the shared services. Yeah, things things that get cheaper as you buy more. Um, and and maybe the, it'll make sense. You know, perhaps there's, you know, perhaps there's a need for three and a half administ- administrators in Derby and four and a half administrators in Ansonia. Just for an example, um, you know, maybe one would, would be shared in some capacity or. I know in Seymour we're looking at trying to do uh, even even sharing services between the town and the education the side in Seymour is, is is like pulling teeth because the people on the board of education by and large and I like a lot of the people on the board of education they they get hunkered down and like this is what we're here for we're here to protect the children that's all we care about and the people on the town side are like well listen it makes more sense from a financial standpoint and from just a expediency standpoint if we're all on the same page and we're all working together and Seymour's on it a good job of, of moving towards that. So we're, we're actually looking at, um, I know in Kurt's budget, he proposed a, uh, an HR position that would be shared between the schools. I'm still looking for a copy of that budget, mm-hmm. Kurt, by the way. Well, sorry. Call him up. I, I, uh, we'll, we'll, I, we'll call him right now if you want. Um, twice. Twice. Yeah. So he's, he's looking at a, um, you know, shared positions just between the town side and the education side. And even that sometimes you hit, roadblocks just there like so in derby they want they wanted for the longest time to do one business manager for right. both the city and the school district and that's never it would never be, happened it would be so. great but people people always think when they're in their own little tribe that they don't want to they when people think their tribe does things well and does things the right way they don't want it to be why change it interrupted right. by somebody else that they don't think is as you know as good that's and just a, that's anything for that matter you it's know, anything if you see change Absolutely anything. yeah it's got to be mutually beneficial i would say and if it is then i think people will come to the table and realize you know it may be better to go ahead with this and just for our listeners benefit i don't know if anyone's listening at this point but just i think in some of the reporting on this there no, is a it, difference between what derby and ansonia is talking about the derby board of aldermen voted to do a formal study as did the ansonia board of aldermen that will result in a two-year study they're forming a committee they're getting help from the state education department and a, a study that could take up to two years and that could result in a referendum in both towns both towns would have to approve it to do some type of regionalization of mer- or merging yeah, yeah. then on the lesser level one that doesn't have as much teeth is being talked about elsewhere with this concept of shared services. That could be something that's just done between the local board of educations with a memorandum of agreement or something like that. It's not quite, doesn't have the same impact potentially as what the Derby Board of yeah, Aldermen yeah. and the Ansonia Board of Aldermen is talking about. I just want people to and it, it realize Shelton, the difference. And Shelton, the school board, according to the meeting minutes, voted to sort of dip their toe in and say, okay, we'll take part in this study if you could get the grant. Um, but the aldermen haven't voted on it in Shelton. And that's the key. And I asked the Board of Education chairman and the mayor uh, last week about it, and they both said that they in no way think that they'll you know, combine a school district with anyone. So Look at that. We're bursting at the seams with news. You know, basically like, eh, well, we'll see what you could bring to the table, but we don't yeah. think this will result this in anything anywhere. concrete in Shelton. All right. So I guess, I guess that is it, unless there are areas, and specifically, David, since this is their, your first time on the podcast uh, and your organization 
the I could see Young Valley GOP. What's the yeah. name again? Valley Young Republicans. Those so we guys. abbreviated Valley Young GOP too. So that may be your confusion there. Is there any? No, I'm just an idiot. Oh. Is there anything you wanted to say about the group uh, before we call it a day here? And thank you for coming on. Thank yeah, you for the opportunity. Uh, our next meeting, it's not going to be so much of a formal meeting. It's more of a social uh, outing. It's going to be February, uh, not February. Uh, April 16th, we're going to be having it at Safari Cafe in Ansonia. And look for uh, more details in the time ahead. We're going to be having uh, other events too. So stay tuned to our Facebook page. That's Valley right. Young Republicans. East Main Street Safari Cafe. East Main Street. Best we, coffee yeah, in the yeah. Valley. They went away and came back. Mm-hmm. Mostly because well, they, of they changed locations. Yep. Yeah. I haven't. Well, been they, drinking, they were gone. I haven't been drinking as much coffee recently. I feel bad, but no, because you know, you're Mr. Health Kick. I cut no. coffee for like a year, and just then, like afternoon. I've I've cut yeah. back. So like no, I can't stop myself now. Like when Duncan said that they're doing like two dollar happy hour coffees, I I'm probably gonna go later. <laughs> I got my extra large right here. All right, and then Stefan. Sure. If I actually can just pay David and his group a compliment, um, I'm actually. It, excited in a way to see them i apologize for the phone ringing in the background that's ethan's fault that's okay i can keep my train of thought no problem um i'm excited to see them getting up and running from the perspective of i like to see young people get involved in politics i think one of my um, key achievements so far as a dtc chair is the kind of uh, turnover that we've achieved with young people coming on board um so i'm excited to see the republicans kind of doing the same thing i look forward to maybe uh, being an adversary of some of these people for a long time to come, uh, which will be fun. And also, they they do a great job uh, with social media. There's um there's a lot to like about what you guys have done with your social media campaigns. So a lot of different memes. Yeah, yeah. No, you guys have have really embraced the times, and we're um, we're definitely going to be, you know, stepping up our game in uh, you know, in relation with that. Uh, so I, I wish you guys good luck and uh, keep keep going. Are we going right. to start getting into like meme wars like Wendy's and McDonald's does on Twitter? I, I'll talk to my uh, communications team. And nice. We'll, uh, nice. We'll, we'll, we'll drop a plan. Oh, please uh, tag us in those so we can uh, manipulate your page views. Nice. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm Eugene Driscoll on behalf of Ethan Fry of ValleyIndy.org. Follow us on Twitter at ValleyIndy and on Facebook where we're like 14 or 15,000 strong mm. Valley Independent Sentinel. I want to thank Stefan and David for coming on the show. And we should definitely do this again. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Thank you. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. For the info, we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. market now threatens our lives. Post literation, critical reading, dumbed down nation, signs of inbreeding, TV sucking ideas from our head, public discourse, just about dead. We'll ride the dinosaur. Yeah, ride the dinosaur. Our readers are in the opens each day.